The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Here with my co-host today, Joey Ikes, and we're going through some scenarios. We're really closing in on draft weekend. Uh, we're about a month out now, a little less than a month out now. So we're going to go through some scenarios, and this will be Dallas Cowboys related, but uh, could be useful for some other teams and other fans of other teams as well. Um, with that you know month out feel there's a lot of names that we're starting to kind of circle as being options in you know each pick in each round so I figured we'd go through a couple different uh scenarios today and and figure out which one we like the most but before we do that Joey how you doing I'm doing pretty well um you know it's a uh it's a fun time where we're between the combine and these 30 visits and things really kicking off and we got pro days and stuff like that so still some fun information coming through and uh, it's going to be fun to look at some of these scenarios here. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's definitely crunch time. I'm trying to get my draft guide finished up. And time of year now where you – time of the draft cycle too where you just – you start, you know, working away from some names, start circling some others. And that's what I thought it was kind of a perfect time. It's kind of been a slower news week for the, the Cowboys in general too, so nothing to really touch on. So I figured, you know, let's – Let's talk about some of this, uh, some of these scenarios that I keep mentioning. Um, so we're going to go through four different four round scenarios for the Cowboys um, today. Obviously, you guys kind of got an idea of the positions we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about some defense alignment, uh, some offense alignment, some running backs, some receivers, and some tight ends. That's kind of the main focus. Uh, sprinkling in some linebackers and and some, maybe some corners as well, but. Um, let's start, we'll just go scenario by scenario. Um, the first one up we were going to start with, and this is one that you, you actually inspired this one. Um, we'll compare these two first and that's, uh, Mozzie Smith in round one, Joe Tipman in round two, um, Cedric Tillman in round three, and then Keandre Miller in round four. Um, so that gives you a defensive tackle, a interior offensive lineman, 
a wide receiver and a running back. Just go through and kind of give us some thoughts on some of those players and what you think and and, and where you're at with them. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting about this group is, and this will be maybe one of the, the things that will be interesting as we unpack this, is that two of these four players are guys that I really enjoy and I would be I would love if they were part of the Cowboys, you know, draft hall coming up next month. And that's Joe Tipman and Kendra Miller, right? Is that Tipman's fun because he's, you know, he's a Wisconsin center, right? He's I mean, he's big. He's like six six, which is unusual. But he's just extremely solid. There's not a whole lot flashy, right? We're not talking about Quentin Nelson at Notre Dame where he's pancaking dudes and teabagging them and, like, you know, celebrating after the play or anything. But he just – every play just blocks his dude. Like, every play he gets to where he's supposed to be and every play he gets between the guy he's blocking and the ball. And that's, you know, really and truly, that's exactly what you're asking an offensive lineman to do. Um, and then Kendra Miller's an extremely fun running back from TCU who is – Probably getting, uh, if I remember right, he got hurt towards the end of the year in the college football playoff, and so maybe maybe getting a little undersold because he didn't get that big national stage game against Georgia that he may he could have performed well in, and you know gotten some more buzz, even though you know TCU got run out of the uh, the building in that one. But uh, but I think the the third and the fourth round guys in this group are are a little underappreciated for who they are for different reasons, and in, in Tillman and Miller, um, and it's just the the one part of this that I can't get over is and I'm I'm I feel like I'm sort of alone in this situation right now is I don't see it with Motsi Smith at all. I just don't. Like I, I don't see a guy who really positively impacts a game on a down to down basis. What was funny, I was talking about Tipman and how every play he just blocks his dude and it's no big deal. It's not flashy. And it's sort of I sort of see that on the other side of the line of scrimmage with Motsi Smith is that he just gets he just gets blocked like just very regularly just gets blocked and doesn't really he doesn't he is very clearly a very good athlete but he doesn't that doesn't translate to impacting the football play on a down to down basis and so I just don't see it and I've had I've had John Owning our good buddy yell at me about Mossy I've I've asked so many people what's the game that I need to watch to see it with him because it's funny I almost wind up watching way more film on guys that I don't that I see right. differently than the rest of the people. Um, and that's been, I've seen more Motsi Smith defensive tape this year than anybody else for sure. And I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see the guy who is worth the 26th pick in the draft to come play nose tackle um, who I, I just don't know how he impacts the game in a positive way more than guys who you could get later in the, in the draft or guys who are still available in free agency, et cetera. So. That's I get my, and you're not you're not. I don't think you're totally wrong. I mean, there's, I think a lot of what the Mozzie Smith Smith hype and upside there is is just that, and that's it's kind of what we went through with Michael Parsons a couple of years ago, where you're like, he's got all the traits in the world to be a dominant player at the position. Now we didn't, you know, I think even when you turned on Michael Parsons tape from a couple of years ago, you went. He's a good linebacker. I'm not sure he's an elite linebacker. Like there was trouble, you know, struggles there with some of the awareness and anticipation and instincts on that second level. And, you know, they obviously moved him a completely different position and you're letting him unlock those, those traits. And while you're not moving Mozzie Smith to a completely different uh, position, I do think there's enough of his game that shows, okay, 
He was good at Michigan, not great, but the traits are special. And if we can coach him up, if you could get him with a Dan Quinn, with a defensive coaching staff that's able to teach him, you know, some of these traits that you could get up, quote unquote, special player, kind of similar to what they did with Michael Parsons. But I mean, like I said, you're not wrong. Like when you turn on the tape now, you're 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 hoping for more splash plays and they don't show up consistently enough. And I think that's why you're talking about I think he's Bruce Feldman's number one freak athlete on the freak athlete list he does. And that's why you're talking about a guy like that, you know, at the back end of the first round and not, you know, where Derek Brown got drafted a couple of years ago as a no ta- nose tackle. Um I mean, for me, like I said, I, I like Mozzie Smith. He's he's not he doesn't have a first round grade for me, but he's you know in that thirty ish range for me, where it's like I would I would like that pick there at a position that I, I honestly I like it because I feel like they're changing their thought process on defensive tackles, maybe more than the player itself. But I think the upside is is absolutely there with him. So I think you're 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 drafting a guy who what we talked about last week could come in, could be a starter for you. Uh, be a big, big, you know, piece for you, which is something we kind of touched on last week that you don't really have many of those holes in your roster. And then again, if if Quinn's able to get his hands on him and, and really coach him up, the 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 upside is, you know, obviously I, I don't think there's no denying that that there's a lot of upside to unlock there if he's able to reach his ceiling. Yeah, I think the the athletic ability is probably what makes you believe that there's a chance that he turns into more than what he is. Right. And, you know, and, and when I talk to, like I said, I talk to guys like John and stuff like that, and they make good points about the scheme that he's playing in and things like that. But I mean, if he's playing nose tackle here, he's a plug guy here too. Like that's how they play their nose here is he, he's a plug. And I, I just don't see if he weighed, 20 pounds less and there was a hey you could move him to three technique and he could be really be an explosive guy who gets up the field and he just didn't get to play that role I could almost see that translation more than I could see it as yeah he played true nose in a, in a four-point frog stance in Michigan right. and he's going to pay a play a true nose here in a three-point stance and uh, but we're going to significantly change the way he plays I just I just don't know that I see it and I also don't know that like the production at or behind the line of scrimmage isn't very good, but like it, there, there's just a lot for me that just is sort of big questions about Mozzie that I could absolutely be wrong there. Just like I was, I was wrong on Micah Parsons, not because I was wrong on the evaluation of him as a linebacker, but just because until when Jerry Jones said the word on draft night, we'll roll it back a little bit here. When he said the words on on draft night that we think he's a pressure player, I sort of went back and re-looked at it under the idea that maybe they look at him like Vic Beasley when playing the, you right. know, playing a different role. And I was like, okay, I see it. Like I, I could see him being productive, but I don't know that that's in the cards for Mozzie. Like, I don't know that there's that much of a change from what he was doing in college to what he'd be asked to do in Dallas. That, al- that allows me to feel like, okay, I can see a, a big change coming here. I just uh, – it it might be a blind spot for me. I'll fully acknowledge it for sure. And I, and I guess, I mean, before we move on to some of these other uh, players and situations, I guess for me too, though, the one thing that I've, I'll say is, like, while he has that nose tackle frame at 6'3", 3'23", I don't disagree with you where, I mean, 
he doesn't have to play his nose tackle. You know, like he could be a guy who he might be better as a three technique because he's, you know, a little bit bigger there and then let the athleticism play a little bit more without having to deal with the, you know, the, the double teams as much and having to be that force run player. Um, you know, obviously he's a little bit bigger than most of your prototypical three techniques, but that could be a spot where he fits in there a little bit better because he's able to just get up the field a little bit more, not focus so much on, you know, run fits and, and run lanes and, 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 and two gapping, whatever that is. So, um, no, I mean, like I said, I, I think, I think don't totally disagree with your, your stance on him. I feel like the tapes leaves you with a little bit, you know, you, you wish there was a little bit more there, but I think you kind of got to project with him a little bit, um, but definitely agree with the Tittman pick. I mean, I think, I think Tittman's a guy that, you know, you, you we, I talked with, was talking with Jeff Cavanaugh the other day on Twitter. And, you know, he's like, man, I hate this, this class. Cause you need a left guard, but I don't, I mean, I think with Steve Avila, Cyrus Torrance, like those are your two kind of first round options. And then you get into the second round and you got that. You, there's not too many of those pure guard prospects that are just, they were plug and play left guards in college and they're going to be plug and play left guards in, in the NFL. But there's a lot of these centers that you can move over to guard. There's a lot of these tackles that you can move inside to guard. Um, so I actually don't hate it. And I think Joe Tittman, you know, at 58 overall would be a really good pick because that gives you a, what I think a plug and play left guard in 2023. And then if you don't want to end up having to pay Tyler Biotish in the next year or so, you move him over to center and then you, you worry about left guard next year. And, and again, we, you know, you don't want to have to keep drafting the same positions over and over, but if you're trying to, you know, make smart decisions on contracts and maybe let a guy like Tyler Biotish walk, like you did Tyler uh, Connor McGovern this year, that's something that could be in the cards and be in the plans. Um, but I'm I'm a big Cedric Tillman fan. I feel like I've expressed that a, a, a multiple different times. He would fit in perfectly in this offense as a true X receiver, something this offense really doesn't have right now. Uh, big body, athletic, field stretcher, um, physical dude. Just just love his, his 2021 tape and some of that start to the 2022 season. I just think shows you a prototypical X receiver that can – do a lot of good things on the boundary while he's not a freak athlete he's a really good athlete above average athlete he's got really good size he's really physical and that's just something we've lacked from that X receiver for a while now just even when Michael Gallup's been good he's been a ball winner and he's been a little bit of a field stretcher but he's always kind of just lacked that like physical nature that you really love from your X receivers so um, I think he'd be a really good addition in this offense and then Condre Miller uh, TC running back I think is a guy who has that three down back ability um you know, explosive, good runner, good receiver, pretty good in pass protection. So it's like he's a guy who I think you can get day, you know, late day two, early day three, and just feel really happy with is maybe he doesn't play that three down back for your role in year one, but if you needed him to, he probably couldn't. He could probably do a really good, damn good job at it. So, um, yep, absolutely. And, it, and it's insurance against a, you know, an extended recovery from Tony Pollard on the, uh, on the running back spot or, you know, he get, he's he's been banged up for a game or two pretty much every year the last few years. Um, and so if he if that happens to him in 2023 when he's supposed to be the guy who carries the load, having a guy like Kendrick Miller behind him would sure as heck be uh be nice a lot better than or you'd probably feel a lot better than just having Ronald Jones as your only option behind him for sure. Right. Um, well, cool. Let's uh let's look at scenario two. Um, and that is Steve Avila in round one, Sam Laporta in round two, uh, Demarion Overshone in round three, and then Trey Palmer in round four. Um, so that gives you versatile offense lineman, probably a plug and play left guard for you. 
Uh, Sam Laporta, in my opinion, a plug-and-play tight end for you. I think he could really walk in in year one and be your best tight end. Um, Overshone is a athletic, undersized, quick, fast uh, linebacker, um, kind of the, the type of guys they like to draft that's got some size, but more so of that athletic profile that they like to go after. And then Trey Palmer, um, a guy who can, can play kind of all over the place out of Nebraska, tested really well, um, and would be a good addition to this wide receiver room. Who stands out to you in this group? I mean, obviously, we've we've talked a lot. Fans have talked about, and we've talked a lot about Avila over the last couple of weeks. So I don't want to spend too much time on him, but some of these other guys um, that that you feel like could you know come in and, and be difference makers, or maybe some guys that you don't like quite as much. Yeah, I think this one is this one is an interesting group because the the first round pick on Avila makes you make some decisions on the offensive line that it seems like there there's a lot of confusion maybe within the building about what they're going to do at the offensive line. And if you finish, if you spend a first round pick on an offensive lineman, especially one who is a, he's a left guard. Like that's what he is. He's a guard. And so that really clears up a lot on the interior. And then it makes you, now you've got questions to ask about, okay, who's the swing tackle, who's your starting right and left tackles, et cetera. Um, but behind him, you know, Laporta comes in, he's, Probably better than um, Ferguson and Hendershot were last year. I always, I always say Ferguson, like because they're <laughs> the same person to me. Right. Like they're they're the same player, which is funny because you one you got in the fourth round and one was undrafted. But he's probably better now than those guys were this time last year. But with a year of experience, they all got they both got pretty decent amount of playing time and stuff like that. They're probably three relatively equal players at that point. So now you've got a three-way tight end battle in a world where you want to play a lot of 12 personnel. It's not a bad thing. Um, and then Overshone is like, you you sort of nailed it. He's the profile they like to draft a lot. I wonder if they feel like a third round is too high to do that. Usually that happens in the fourth or fifth round. You know, we've sure. seen, you know, Jabril Cox. We've seen um, Damone Clark. We've seen, they, they draft a fifth round linebacker every year, it seems like. So it, it depends on it really depends on how much of a need they see that being coming off of bringing LVE back on a couple of year deal and what they saw from Damone Clark last year. Um, and Palmer's a guy I don't really know all that much about, but when you look at some information and all that kind of stuff on him, he's definitely one of those interesting early day three players that you just feel like um, the possibilities are sort of wide open there in terms of what he what he becomes at the NFL level. And maybe that's the right approach to to the position this year, given, you know, where the depth chart is at this point in time. Yeah, and I mean, touch on Palmer, you know, he's a guy who, even with Cooks, you know, who who's bringing some added juice, you know, Palmer's a six foot, 192 pound guy who runs a 4-3-3 with a 1-5-1, you know, 10 yard split. So he's a explosive, quick, fast athlete that can, he's lined up kind of all over um, in the offense uh, for Nebraska so he's you know played some in the slot played some as an X played some as a Z so he's kind of moved all around which I think is important um, this team seems to like guys who can play multiple roles and play multiple spots on the field in their offense so if they're not looking for that prototypical X guy they're probably going to look for a guy who can play all three spots um, and, and helps kind of spell some of the CD Lamb and Brandon Cooks and give some time for Michael Gallup to to get himself back into you know shape and, and get get rolling so um this one isn't like overly exciting, but I actually like this one quite a bit because I feel like I feel honestly like you could get four 
not going to say four starters because it's hard to see Trey Palmer starting in this offense with what it looks like, but four guys who could be big contributors and be big additions to your team. Like I said, even if Palmer wouldn't be a big contributor, I feel like what he would bring is like a vertical player with that four, you know, four, two, four, three speed is something that they still don't have yet. We'll see what Brandon Cooks is and see what he's able to do in this offense. But a guy who you know coming in is that athletic, explosive, fast guy. Um and I'm 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 really high on Laporta. Like we, we talked about Kincaid, you know, Kincaid's not testing um this cycle. So there's a real good shot that Laporta could be my fourth, even possibly third tight end in this class. Yeah, he's a he's a really good player, and he's you know it, it's Great a little bit unfortunate because he played at Iowa where they you know couldn't move the ball. Right, but you know you watch him play, and he he's definitely a bright spot on a really really bad offense. Um, that it's easy to see, and you know we talk about Wisconsin offensive linemen. You could say the same thing about Iowa tight ends, right? It's it's easy to see guys from their offense translating to the NFL and doing it at a relatively early point in time in their career. Yeah, I just we talked about it some last week, so I'm not going to hammer on it too much. But to be a dynamic tight end in the NFL, you got to either be really athletic, you got either really got to be good after catch, or you got to be the George Kittle type, Rob Gronkowski type, where you can line up as a Y, you can line up as a slot, you can be that mismatch. I think Laporte is that type of guy. Like he's got, he's a willing, he's a pretty good blocker. I think that's the area he has to really improve on. But his athleticism and his ability to make plays after the catch are or top-notch, and I think if you're spending, you know, I'm not comparing him to Travis Kelsey, but that athleticism that you see Laporta play with and his ability to make plays after the catch, it gives you, like, some of those Travis Kelsey vibes when he was coming out of college in his early early career age before he developed into probably the one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, not, not a big comp at all. We're, we're, we've, we've thrown a couple of tight end comps around the last couple of weeks that are, you know, pretty pretty significant, and we'll get yeah. to that. So, one. so let's get into that. Our, our third scenario <laughs> is uh, Darnell Washington, the Georgia tight end in round one, John Michael Schmitz in round two, uh, the interior offensive lineman out of Minnesota, uh, Darius Rush in round three, and then Owen Papoa in round four. Um, so this is similar – Similar vibe to the last one um, that we talked about. You're getting an offensive lineman, you're getting a tight end, you're getting a corner that we haven't talked about yet, and then a linebacker uh, just come kind of in some different rounds. Um, we talked a lot about Darnell Washington last week, so we'll briefly kind of touch on him. But I think the John Michael Schmitz conversation kind of falls in with the Joe Tittman conversation where you get a guy who's center in college, could play some guard uh, in the NFL, brings that you know option for you next year when Tyler Biotis is due for uh, extension. Um, but I do want to talk about Darius Rutchen and Owen Popoa, who are two guys who are athletes. Um, I think the corner position, while they did add, add Stefan Gilmore, could be a little bit more of a position of need that we're not for down the road. You know, it's it really this year coming up. It's not a big thing, but you're you're you know next year if Stefan Gilmore's not here, Trayvon Diggs, is he going to be around? Is he going to be extended? What's his deal going to be? Um, I think adding a corner like Russia's caliber, if he's around at that third round pick, would just be huge for the the future of this team. So, um, which what you got on this this scenario here? Yeah, so Darnell Washington, obviously, he's my favorite of the four first round picks. And I think if you talk about the last one, our scenario two, that group is probably the one that you come out feeling the least excited about. Like you look at it and you go, you know what? 
it sort of reminds me of 2018 a little bit where we left the first four rounds of that draft and we're like, you know what? There's probably several guys on there that will be starters and contributors on this team, even if it's not exciting. Right. Uh, you, you know, there's, you know, Leighton Vander Esch and, you know, and um, Connor McGovern was in that group, I believe. You know, all, all those sorts of things. Like, you get through that group and you're like, you know, it's not a super exciting group, but there there's some guys in here that can play and that will help your team. Uh, this one, you come out of that first day and you feel like you've got the uh, – you have a, a borderline star on your team. Like, you got the opportunity to have a legitimate, like, big-time superstar on your team. And then to be able to come back and follow that up with John Michael Schmitz, and you you covered it pretty well. He's a smaller version of Joe Tittman in that plate center could probably play some guard, um, but he's almost definitely your center of the future. And we saw the Eagles use a day two pick on their center of the future last year and hardly play, like didn't play at all, but was able to work out. And as soon as their Kelsey moves on, they have a guy that they can plug in and play there. And so you have the same opportunity to do that with Schmitz, even if you decide, okay, Tyler Smith is better suited to play guard than he is right now. And then Darius Rush is a great point that you make. And that we're in an unfortunate position where the Cowboys have used a lot of second and third round picks on corners over the last few years. Right. And other than Trevon Diggs, none of them have really worked out to the level that you would hope they would. You know, they they were planning on Kelvin Joseph being a starting a two-year starter by now and like really being a rock solid piece of this defense. Nashawn Wright, they were planning on him, you know, really showing the upside. And neither of those things has really happened all that much. Um having Deron Bland is a huge boon, but a, a six foot two corner like Darius Rush and the athleticism that he has. Um and just the the ability that he's shown over the course of his career at South Carolina. They have a pretty good record with South Carolina defensive players uh, in terms of liking cornerbacks from there uh, between J.C. Horn and Izzy McQuamu. Uh, that's definitely a third-round pick that if he's there in that range, I could absolutely see them making that pick. Um, and so those three guys really are, you know, the guys who make up the exciting part of the class. Um, and I think that would be a pretty, you know, that would be a pretty exciting group to, to go with. And then, you know, Popo, the, the linebacker is they're going to pick a middle round linebacker. Yeah. And so pick your name. You know, he's 6'2 and he's an athlete, right? So pick him and put him in there. And at the very least, he'll be a special teams player um, very early in his career. And if he develops in the right way, then he and, you know, Damone Clark are fighting for reps really early in his career at, um, at linebacker next to Leighton Van Der Esch. Are you ready for me to just terrify everybody real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I honestly, so again, you got to understand what I'm what I'm saying here, people. So please don't freak out. But I honestly see a lot of Kelvin Joseph in college and Darius Rush's game. Like I was pulling it up. Like when I watch again, Kelvin. I don't think Kelvin Joseph has panned out in the NFL because he doesn't have the skills and the talent. He just hasn't panned out in the NFL because a lot that of happens. Mental <laughs> capacity and just maturity and all of those things. So. Um, I mean, Kelvin Joseph, 6'1", 192, Darius Rush, 6'2", 198, um, both really good athletes coming out of, you know, college. That was one thing that, that Kelvin Joseph was, was, you know, touted on is that he was a great athlete, really smooth athlete, really fluid athlete. Um, 
and Darius Rush fits all those checks, all those boxes. Obviously, Darius Rush has a little bit more arm length than Kelvin Joseph did coming out, but just watching those guys, like you know, I, I remember watching Kelvin Joseph against uh, Alabama. What was it? What the game that everybody talks about was it Devonte Smith that he had a really good game? Yep, I think it was Devonte Smith. Like watching Kelvin Joseph at his best against like Devonte Smith that game. I remember and then watching Darius Rush on film and then some of those senior bowl reps, I just went, man, this reminds me of these really good Kelvin Joseph games that I used to watch when he was coming out of college at LSU and Kentucky and and all that. And it's just, it it didn't pan, it hasn't panned out for Kelvin Joseph yet, but Darius Rush seems like a lot safer prospect because of the lack of character, the lack of, you know, maturity and um, concerns that we had with, with Kelvin Joseph. But I, I, I like this group a lot too. Like you said, I mean, Owen proposed a guy to Auburn who is, I mean, at worst, he's going to be your special teams ace for four years because he's super athletic, um, a physical guy for his size. And I think his traits, we talked about it, his traits are a guy that if you can get a, a linebacker that runs like he runs, that that flies around like he flies around, Cowboys are going to be interested in those guys in that fourth, fifth round range. And he kind of, he fell in that that range here for us. Um, John Michael Schmidt's another guy. His really his biggest knock is he's an older prospect. You know, he's twenty. He's going to be twenty four his rookie year. Um, so you know, you're, you're worried about what what his ceiling's able to get into. But I think he's a guy who is a he's really good at center. But I think he's a guy you could play a left guard, have him figure out if that that's a position for him. Um, and if not, like you said, you know, move on from Tyler Biotis last next year, punch him into center, and uh, you feel really happy about your your center position going forward. Um, but let's close it out with the fourth one. And um, this is a pretty exciting one too. This, this, this actually is, I think this would be my favorite. Um, even with Darnell Washington going, you know, in our, our third one, our fourth one, Broderick Jones, uh, the tackle out of Georgia who has some guard flexibility. I'll mention that because people are going to be like, why are we drafting another tackle in the first round? Um, Cause I think he could play left guard for you and be a damn good left guard. Uh, Devin a chain out of, uh, Devon Achain out of Texas A&M. I know you'll have a lot to say about him. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan, who's another one of my favorite tight ends in this class. And then Kobe Turner out of uh, Wake Forest is another guy that I know you're going to want to talk about a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this one's another interesting one because you probably come out of this one, like you said, okay, they drafted another first-round offensive lineman. He's a guy who has tackle flexibility. He's probably competing for left guard snaps early in his career, like a very straightforward explanation for the first couple of years of his career. And then you get into the second, third, and fourth round, and that's where it sort of gets exciting. And that Devon A-Chain is a dynamic this offense has not had in a long time. People talk about Tony Pollard being a fast, explosive, elusive running back. Um, Devon A-Chain is in another class in that aspect. Um, world-class speed who happens to play who is a football player not who happens to play football who is a football player who happens to have world-class track and field speed Um, and then Shoemaker is uh, is interesting because I feel like you could put him in a in a police lineup with all three of the Cowboys tight ends that they have on their roster right now and probably half of the other tight ends in this draft class. And if you put them in a police lineup with no uniforms on, you probably couldn't tell them apart. Like they're all the same. Dude. They're all, you know, six, three to six, five, 240 to 250 pounds. And they all do a little bit of all the things on the football field that you want a guy to do. And when you take a guy like that in the third round, that's perfectly fine. 
And that's, to be honest, that's why I've been so, with the exception of Darnell Washington, so much of a proponent of weight on tight end because there's so many of these guys who can sit down in zone coverage and catch the ball and then go get five or six yards after the catch that you don't need to spend up for one unless they are legitimately special in all aspects of the game. Um, so Shoemaker is a, like a perfectly legitimate third round, late day two, early day three uh, tight end prospect. And then Kobe Turner is, I said it on Twitter the other day and I'll say it here. I would rather draft Kobe Turner in the fourth round than draft Mozzie Smith in the first round. And there's, there's two aspects of that. One is because there's a significant cost difference, obviously. The other is that I don't think that there is a hundred picks worth of difference between those two guys as players. Um, Mozzie is obviously a bigger player than Kobe Turner is, but Turner holds up against down blocks. He holds up against double teams. The tackle for loss production is through the roof compared to what Mozzie Smith's is. Um, he played at multiple levels in college, played at uh, Richmond, and then moved up to uh, to Wake Forest this past year, and was just a like just an extremely stable, productive player on the interior defensive line. That you draft him in the fourth round, and he comes in and is an immediate contributor on the interior defensive line for the for the Cowboys in 2023, and the truth is there's just not that many spots where that's the truth. And there's not that many players where that's the case. You know, it's probably running back, maybe tight end and probably interior defensive line. And those are probably the, the, the three spots that you really have a chance to get a fourth round, like real life contributor for this team in 2023. And so Kobe Turner is one of my favorite players in the draft class um, just because he's, He's just a guy who's going to get in there. He's going to do the dirty work in the defensive line, but he's also going to be productive while he does it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm in a spot right now. Um, so I'm finalizing some of my grades. Like I said, trying to get this draft guide finished. So Broderick Jones might end up being my top-ranked tackle. Um, I know wow. that might sound crazy with Peter Skaronsky and Paris Johnson Jr., but I truly – love watching Broderick Jones play left tackle for Georgia this year. I mean, I think he is – his tape this year was – I mean, I think it was just – I mean, great. And and like I said, it, it's – he's in a position where he's got a frame that he's just going to continue to get better. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he's young. He's got a – like I said, a 6'5", you know, 311-pound frame, so he's going to continue to get stronger. Um, this this just – I mean, I know the, the, like, famous comp for him is Andrew Thomas, but, like, this feels like – Andrew Thomas, like we're in year one, you're kind of like, man, it didn't really turn out to what we thought he'd be. And then year two, you're like, all right, this guy's one of the best left tackles in the the league. And obviously you're drafting him, you know, to probably play some guard for you, which we, you know, you could, you could get in a conversation where you go, Hey, well, who's the better left tackle, Tyler Smith or Broderick Jones? Do we move Tyler Smith to be that guard, whatever that is. But I just wonder if you get into, this was kind of like the best player available, you know, theory where it was like, Hey, we get to, 26 overall and somehow Broderick Jones has made it all the way down to you. You got some holes on the offensive line. Do you spend that valuable pick on a guy that you just didn't think would be there? And honestly with him, if I was in that draft room, I'd be spending that pick on him and I'd be making it work between him and Tyler Smith at left tackle and left guard. But uh, Devon A. Chain, like you, you kind of touched on all that, just a dude who's going to be fast. He's going to be explosive. He's going to be a receiver for you, going to be a running back for you. And while, you know, the pass protection, I think is something that he'll, he'll need to develop and get better at. It's just, 
he has those three down traits and he does it at an explosive and fast level. And that is uh, extremely valuable at that position. The Luke Shoemaker is a guy that I just, his, his tapes fun. And then his testing is just phenomenal. I mean, he tested as the 16th best tight end out of 1054 tight ends from 1987 to 2023. Um, according to, you know, math bomb, uh, Kent Lee Plata, his, uh, RAS relative athletic score, um, he posted a six eight one three cone and a four two seven short shuttle, which is just insane. Um, ran a four six three forty, a one five nine ten yard split, had a ten uh, seven broad jump, which is phenomenal for a guy his size and his position and a thirty three and a half inch vertical at six five two fifty one. So, we talked about it earlier with guys like Laporta and Washington. Um, if you can get dynamic athletes at the tight end position that are are quality blockers and, and good receivers that offer some of those dynamic athletic uh, skill sets or physical skill sets, it's it's spin the pick on them. And it normally pans out pretty well for you, whether that's in the first, second or third, fourth round. Um, and then Kobe Turner, you touched on it, just a very quality player on the interior guy who's probably not going to be a Hall of Famer and he might not ever make any Pro Bowls or all pros, but he's going to be a guy who's going to play plenty of snaps for it. Kind of gives you the Oso Digizuo vibes, honestly. A guy who's going to be a consistent, just reliable force for you on the interior. He's going to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, not going to get washed around or, or knocked out of many running lanes. And and he's going to provide some pass rush for you, which is something that, you know, they kind of need on that interior along with Osa. So um so which one? We got to pick one now. Which what, what scenario are you taking? I got to pick one. Um, I'm probably going to take in this situation, I'm probably taking our third group. And that's the the Darnell Washington, Michael Schmitz, Darius Rush, Popola group. And, and the reason why is I just think the – and the other one would probably be – my second choice would be the one with Broderick Jones for the reason why you talked about is that is the idea of – maybe he's a guard early in his career, or maybe, like you said, it's never a problem to have too many no. good offensive tackles. Um, and it gives you the option of, you know, Tyron Smith's career is going to be over in the next couple of years. There's a really good chance. Zach Martin's career is over sometime within this first round picks rookie contract there. You know, Tyler Biotish is very likely not a part of the Cowboys after the next year or two, just because of the number of guys they have to sign, the way they like to bring their guys back, how they like to handle that. Um, and then Terrence Steele is a restricted free agent this year, but if he becomes the swing tackle this year, like they're talking about, or if they try him at guard and bouncing back and forth and all that kind of stuff, you can just about guarantee he leaves in free agency next year because he's not going to sign up to be here long-term to get bounced around when he know when he just saw, you know, Kansas City pay a former right tackle $20 million a year to play left tackle for them. Or, you know, he's not going to sign up for getting bounced around for his entire career here when he can go some, and especially it's important to remember he was an undrafted free agent. He has not made money yet. The the most money he will make will be this year on the, you know, two and a half or $3 million that he'll get on the, uh, on the restricted free agent. And they're not going to have a tag available to use on him next year because, they're going to wind up having to use it on somebody else um, in order to keep that guy around. And so I think you, if you just keep stacking offensive linemen, you'll be just fine, especially guys who have the ability to play tackle or guard. 
uh, gives you a lot of flexibility. But, you know, the A-chain thing is is interesting because I wonder if he'll even be somebody they consider because of the size. Yeah. Um, and as much, and he is very clearly showed it throughout the entire year last year at A&M, very clearly a capable interior runner who is capable of taking a very heavy load um, as a running back. But, you know, some of these guys in these, in these buildings are very sp- particular about their size and specific players. And they like their six foot, 215 pound running backs. And that is not who Devon A chain is. Um, so it'll be interesting there, but I think Darnell Washington just has the star power to make his group, the preferred group, almost no matter what. And then when you add Darius Rush in the third round of what he potentially brings as a, as an up and coming promising corner, um, uh, I think that probably take that group probably takes the cake for me. What about you? I think from a value standpoint, it would be the Broderick Jones, Devin Chain, Luke Schoonmaker and Kobe Turner, but from a total package standpoint and the only reason i say that is because darnell washington's my 24th overall player so i'm speaking out of you know what i would like more at this point but darnell washington's my 24th overall player i have john michael schmitz at let's see where he fell for me i have him as my 45th overall player I have Darius Rush is my 59th overall player. And then Owen Popoa is just outside of my top 100. Um, so, I mean, that's really good value too, but just the broader, I mean, like I said, like I'm, I don't know if many people like broader. I mean, right now, broader Jones is my 10th overall player in this class. So getting your 10th overall player at 26, like that definitely excites me. Devin H, uh, Devon A-Chain is my 55th. Luke Schoonmaker is my 75th, and then Kobe Turner is just outside of my top 102. So the values kind of are very close for those two groups, but getting that 10th overall player for me at 26 would probably probably be the better value. But I, I honestly like, and no offense, but I like that third draft more just because I hope they don't spend the top 100 or top four round pick on a running back. I, I really do, um, mainly because I don't think they need one. I think Tony Pollard and Malik Davis and Rico Dowdle and Ronald Jones are more than good enough. If you can get a guy to fall to you, you know, 129 or, I mean, I've talked about this one here with you a little bit, but like if you, if Eric Gray goes in these drafts where he goes on PFF and all that, and where you can get Eric Gray in the fifth round or sixth round, sign me the hell up. Cause I think that guy is going to be really good in the NFL. So you you throw you throw that third group with you throw their Eric Gray in there with the next pick in the fifth round. I'll write that that check right now. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I'll even exactly. I'll even pass on the Broderick Jones. You know the the fall there to get a guy like Eric Gray who's also he's right inside my top one hundred. He's my hundredth overall player, um, Eric Gray. So if I can get him at one fifty nine or whatever it is, I'm good. <laughs> and you and you probably will be able to. Yeah, which blows which, my mind. I don't get it. Yeah. Like I don't understand it at all. But it just goes back to that same conversation that we have all the time about that position is that like, there's just so many of them that come out of college football who can just carry the ball. And there's only so many of them are going to get drafted because there's still so many of them in the league that can carry the ball too. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a bunch of runners in this class. We'll kind of close it out with this, but there's just a bunch of runners in this class that are projected to go, you know, mid to late day three that I'm like, 
take that guy very comfortably in the fourth round and be, you know, Eric Gray's a four three eight runner, a thirty seven and a half inch vertical, a nine ten broad, one five five, and a six nine zero three cone. Like he's athletic, he's got that you know five ten ish, two hundred pound build, can catch the football. Um, just again, like I hate to go on an Eric Gray rant because he wasn't even in any of our scenarios, but just that it's a player that, like I said, if 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 you don't go running back in rounds one two three or even four. Getting that guy in the in the fifth round would be an absolute steal and be happy with it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. All right. Well, um, that is the end of this. We have a our our another interview we got with Trey Tucker, the Cincinnati slot receiver and special teams ace. Uh, we're gonna put that on um coming up here in a second. So make sure you guys stick around and tune into that. Uh we have another few interviews we're going to work on over the next month and get a couple more guys on that we that we're excited to talk to but um the month is here draft month is we're into draft month and it'll be here before we know it so we have I mean it's crazy we only have probably four more shows left until wow. the draft gets here it's crazy <laughs> that is crazy so it's been, a, it's been a fun cycle so far and we hopefully we'll uh we'll close it out as, as fun as we started like I said stick around Trey Tucker, Cincinnati wide receiver, is on the show, and, and make sure you tune into that. And we will see you guys next week on the Talk in the Draft podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm joined by Cincinnati wide receiver Trey Tucker. Trey, man, what's going on? What's good? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I know you're uh, next week. You got a combine or the uh, pro day coming up. You kind of just getting back from the combine, resetting from that. Um, you excited to get back to Cincinnati and, and do some things on your own field? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I haven't been there in a few months, and uh, that's definitely home for me. Um, I've been there for years, and I'm excited to go back and see some of the guys. Uh, obviously, I got to see some of them at the combine, but um, there's a bunch of guys I didn't get to see, and uh, just seeing some of the current players there as well. It's always tough. I, I like talking about this a little bit, but you go to the go to the combine in Indianapolis. You're getting, you know, you're running routes with quarterbacks you have never played with. You know, it's just it's a it's a tough ask of wide receivers, in my opinion. To I mean, so many of these routes are timing routes nowadays, and you got a quarterback that you just don't really know what to expect. Are you? I mean, that's got to be something exciting for you. Like, even though you did a great job and everything in Indy, you got to be ready to get back your own guys, get a feel for what they're going to do, and they know kind of what you're going to do in those routes. Yeah. Um. So actually, uh, the guy I'll be thrown with has been Bryant. So he was a starting quarterback for us last year. You know. So, um, it's it's for him. He knows how I run my routes. I know how he throws the ball. So it's easy. You know. Um, the combine was it was definitely a challenge, but um, I think it's 
kind of a showcase of why we're all meant to be pros. You know, everyone who's there is top 300, you know, we're all, like I say, should be pros because pros are, you should be able to just do it. You should be able to wake up and do it out of your sleep. So the fact that you're able to go out there and uh, catch balls from someone you haven't caught from your whole life, you know, you're lucky too if you got a quarterback at the combine, but some of your whole life and vice versa, then throw to someone who you don't know how fast or you don't know how they run the routes. So um, it's good on both ends. Also, I just feel like it, it, you know, the combine, it's kind of a, hey, you're going to do this at this for the pro day. You can kind of set it up, you know, run the routes that you like to run. And, well, you also do some things I think teams want to see. You just – it's more of a comfortable feeling, I guess, is the way I'm trying to describe it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, for me, I, I like to think – go into things thinking I'm going to do everything. You know, I don't know what that may be, but everything, you know, so the whole route tree, you know, so that way when it comes and they only ask to run, you to run four routes, they're easy, you know, Um so I think um, for me personally, what I personally like to do at the pro day is ask what routes they think that are my weakest and run those routes. You know what I mean? To show that because I can run, you know, all the routes that I'm really good at a hundred times, but show the ones that they don't think I'm the best at, you know, give them a good look at that. And it's something actually I'm interested to ask you, but like your return skills are top notch. You know, that's something I'm sure teams are showing a lot of interest in and showing a lot of value in, but um at the combine, you don't get to do any of that stuff, do you? Like they don't. I mean, if they don't show it on TV and anything yeah, like that, you, you can punt return at the end. But okay. um, I did it at the Senior Bowl, so I was just gonna wait. Okay. Until today, so right. So that's something that I feel like that's such a big part of your game coming in that you know you'll be able to go through those drills and show how that value that you bring to the table too is something you did so well at Cincinnati. Right for sure. Yeah, they'll definitely. I'm sure they'll definitely have that drill set up, and uh, I will be doing it. Are you, I know you, I mean, you tested off the charts. Are you going to redo any of your athletic testing at the pro day? Yeah, I'll probably, you know, um, <laughs> I'll probably do most of it. I probably won't do none of the jumping things just because, you know, I could, you know, I don't really need to, but um, right. I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I ran a four, four. So I, I kind of got to get that out to media. Uh, and um, as far you as, mean, yeah, you mean that's slow for you? Oh yeah. hundred really? percent. Yeah, I haven't I haven't ran a full form forever, and I, and I don't know like there's a lot going on about the combine, but um like I you 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 people will understand uh, come pro day, um so yeah I'm I'm kind of salty that out of my and, mouth and, and don't don't say like I, I don't I don't mean to like oh you're you, I can't believe you're faster than that because that's not what I mean but like four four is fast and it's crazy to hear y'all just be like, like I just talked to Tyler Scott a, a little bit ago too and he was like yeah I'm 100 running like that was the slowest I ran a 40 in a long time. So, I mean, then that's like, that's like my little brother. So we've talked about it a bunch and I know, but I think last year kind of, you know, the comment last year was wild. You've seen a bunch of times and then them getting changed. So um, I think me personally, like, I, I mean, well, I'm not going to say the exact time I ran down here, but I ran a time down in, down here in Tampa in sweatpants. I would have been top two, you know, in the right. combat. So um, I know I can do it. I've always done, like I said, I haven't ran that since middle school, well, not middle school, like freshman year high school, you know what right. I mean? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, like I said, I'm salty to get that out of, you know, kind of out of the media and, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do all the three cone, the shuttle. I didn't do it at the combine cause that there was a gauntlet, you know what I mean? It was, right. it was but uh, I'm going to do that and I, I should do really well next, have really good changes of direction. So I'm excited. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you, you obviously probably met with a ton of teams at the combine senior bowl, all that, um, you know, so, so what's, you don't have to dive into it if you don't want to, but but as far as like, is, is there any teams that are showing more interest, you know, follow-up meetings, Zoom meetings, you know, formal meetings type of deal with you than others? Yeah, uh, there's, there's there's quite a, there's, I've said there's a lot of teams actually, you know, it's kind of a broad process, like um, <laughs> the NFL is tricky. Yeah. 
always heard the notion that you're going to get drafted by someone who showed no interest in TV. <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of hard for me to, you know, like, yes, I have a lot of meetings set up. I, I'm going to be pretty busy the day before pro day. Um, I have meetings set up this week. So um, I'm doing that. Um, yeah, I'm doing all of that. So uh, I, I can't specifically say uh. all of the, t- you know what I mean? Just because I don't know how, but um, I can say um, I am doing a, I'm meeting with the, the Bucks tomorrow. Um, so um, yeah. And, and quite frankly, I, I can't remember why well, I can't remember, but uh, yeah, I have a lot of teams set up the day before pro day and I'll probably have some after, and then you kind of go about it that way. But uh yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. You know, it's it's it, you think it's over with after the combine, but it, it's honestly just getting started. Like it's right. more, so yeah. I always actually it was funny. I, I went back and listened to it today. So I interviewed Alec Pierce last year. Um, and it was like right this same kind of time frame where it was like after the combine before the pro day. And he was, you know, I was like, Yeah, hey, you get to like take a deep breath and you know, catch your breath before the pro day. And he was like, No, <laughs> that's that's the exact opposite kind. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean it's you get back from the combine and it's like you hop right back into training. It's like, depending on what you did, but you still have something to do at the combine. You know I mean? At the pro day. So you, know, right. you can't just completely take it all off and just relax. No, no. Cause like I said, you have meetings, you have a bunch of stuff like that. So yeah, it, it really never stops. You mentioned a lot of, you know, the meetings you're having with these teams the conversations you're having with them. Um, obviously we, we know all the things you do well. And, and I want to ask that question first, but what, what's the feedback you're kind of getting from a, Hey, we see this as being your strength. We see you playing this role type of deal. And then maybe on the flip side of that, what's some things that they say, Hey, we want to see you improve on this. Or we want to see, like you said earlier, like we want to see this route be run a little bit, you know, more crisp, like just kind of give us both sides of that coin. So to start it off, I'd say, and I can tell you this, it started off, I went into the senior board and I asked quite a few, well, majority of the teams that I met with. So I met with a lot of teams. I think all of them actually, but uh, what they'd ask you at the end, like if you had time, if your meeting went really well, do you have any questions? I, I, I asked, what do you guys, what's my weakness to you guys? What do you guys want to see? Like going in, when you have me on your scouting report, you're saying this is his weaknesses. And this is like, this week is going to make a break. And the weaknesses they said they had, they want to see if I can play outside. They want to see if I can get off press and they want to see more route running ability. So I said, okay, you know what I mean? Knowing that I can do those things. And, um, and the feedback I got at the end of the senior bowl was you answer all those questions. So I would say um, the teams, the, th- the teams are, the things that the teams are saying to me are basically um, you're very versatile. You can play inside play. I mean, your special teams ability is off the chart. Obviously, you know, I can return punts, return kicks. You know, I play gunner. I played every special teams, but um, just a Swiss Army knife and a really good one, um, which is good, good for me. Good to hear that. And um, like I said, the weaknesses before they were saying, we don't know if you get our press because I saw a lot of off coverage and see, right. see the speed factor um, played into that. But I would see the, the secret to me was I would see it every day in practice because that's how our defense played. So to me, getting our press is easy. Um so that and um, running routes, um, like I said, a lot of our things in the season were schemed up or, you know, right. we do certain things this way. So I might not get the showcase route, but I run a ton of practice. So that was kind of another thing to me, like, well, if that, okay. And um, but whatever I said, what, what did I say the last one? I said getting off press, running routes, and um, – Playing you know, outside. Playing outside, yeah. So obviously, you know, we – Tyler Scott, you know, it's like my little brother. I mean, we were so good at every position that right. play outside as well, but he wouldn't play slot. You know, I wouldn't play, you know what I mean? So we were just, we were, we were so interchangeable. Like, right. go play the slot. I can go play it outside, but we just didn't need to have to do it. So that was a thing for me. It was just like, okay, cool. So those are my big three emphasis. Oh, and a fourth one to add, they wanted to see if I can fluidly catch punts because there's a big notion about, well, why are you good on kick return? But you've returned punts. But so um, I answered that. Um, Coach um, 
Coach Tomlin um, at the Steelers. He was he was he was on me hard at, uh, there at the that week um, about catching the punts. Pretty much just teaching me to do the right thing with it, you know. And um, I really appreciate that from him. We kind of have a little history right there um, as well. But um, yeah, I really appreciated that from him. Yeah, so those are the things, and those are the teams are saying. So it's kind of fun for me because, like I said, um, I feel like I crushed the Senior Bowl, which was I was attending to do, and um, I did well at the Combine. Um, so now I think the things for me at Pro Day would just be, like I said, just more elusive route running. Like I'm not just going to stop, maybe do some stuttering, stuttering, stutter digs. Let's, you know, start adding a little you know, flavor to the route that they like, wow, you know what I mean? Because I can run the route regularly out of my sleep, but um. Just make sure I do that, man, and uh, yeah, and then just you know, show you can catch the ball fluently. I mean, it doesn't matter how good a route runner you are if you can't catch the ball. Absolutely. So um, yeah, and just continue to harp on my uh, special teams ability. So yeah, and I mean, again, like you turn on your tape, you you see the special team stuff, and it's that's top notch. And then you watch it. Just I mean, again, you played out of the slot a lot at Cincinnati, but I think I was just actually talking about this with Tyler not too long ago, but you know. It's so funny because when I like I'm writing a scouting report, and you know these teams are doing it too. Like a lot of the weaknesses or cons that they put down, it's not necessarily a weakness or a con. It's just something that maybe you didn't get the opportunity to show. Um, and I feel like that's unfair to you guys a lot of the time because, and it happens all the time. And may, maybe more so sometimes at receiver, but like more so, you know, you see guys playing, you know, like five technique or like you know playing inside in a three four when they should be playing, you know, seven technique and even front or something like that. It's just. For me, it's 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 always a tough job. I mean, they, they, it's a tough job to, to get these things right, but it just it's unfair knocks at times. I think you get guys who who will knock guys for their you know not running the full route tree. Well, if, you know, you're not playing in a pro style offense that actually, and you guys do. You guys do play in that kind of pro style offense, so you do run a lot of routes. But it's just I don't know. So much of the game's projecting, and I think when you you look at how quick you are, how twitched up you are, you know, that ability to get in and out of your breaks and all that, it just it correlates to a lot of those things that you were saying people were wanting to see more from you. Um, so you guys got pro day coming up next week. Um, you're you're going to do the runs again. Um, you're going to do all the drills again. Um, do you, I know you mentioned you got some visits scheduled up. Have you, have you had any 30 visits yet? And I'm assuming that's kind of on the list for you. Yeah, not yet. I don't know when those officially start. I'm, I'm not sure if they start after your pro day or they can just start anytime after the combine. So I'm not sure yet. Um, you know, like talking to my agent, you know, there's a rhyme, there's no really rhyme or reason why guys have them. Like I know Alec Pierce, I think, I don't think he had any last year. You know, yeah, what I, mean? I listened to the interview earlier today and he was like, I don't really have anything on the schedule. And it's, I feel like the 30 visits have kind of fallen off a little bit recently just because you get for like seniors, you get senior bowl to meet with these guys, you get the combine to meet with these guys, you can meet with them via Zoom. Like it's not as it's like for the guys who didn't go to Indy or didn't go, you know, maybe d didn't get a chance to get, do much at their pro day. You bring them in and have them checked and all that. So that's kind of that's what I said. There's no rhyme or reason. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking that way as well. Like it's it's like. I must, I, I, did, I did the senior bowl. I did the kind of yeah, my pro day. You can meet with me. Zoom. So like, there's a lot of exposure to me already. So, you know, so kind of agree with the, what you're saying. Um, I want to get into a little bit of, you know, we talked about like the route running and all that, but the routes that you really like to run. Um, I think that that's such an important thing with receivers coming in the NFL is just being able to not only run the full route tree, but run that full route tree. Well, um, separating nowadays is, the most important thing offenses really look for, you know, that explosiveness. And normally if you're fast and you're explosive, you can separate. Um, but a lot of that comes with just the techniques of routes and all that. So I wanted you to break down just 
Like, what are some things that you do to set up DBs, you know, when you run some of these inside breaking routes? Like, what are you, are you taking things from them that you're seeing that you're going, okay, I'm going to do this if they do this? Just take us through, like, you run a post route. Like, how are you setting DBs up and how are you kind of attacking their uh, weaknesses there? Yeah, so, like, if I'm running a post route, I mean, the first thing I'm looking at is, you know, their leverage. You know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, assume we're talking about man coverage, if he's inside leverage. Um, and, like, it's it's so – I would say it, it's not one-on-ones where you can just free fall the route. Like there's so many things that go into the route, like based off of how, what the route outside of you is, what right. your landmark. So I mean, a bunch of things, but I, just to break it down, I mean, I look at his leverage, He's inside leverage, you know, and you have a post, which is an in-breaking route. You want to either steal some leverage from him and take it over the top of him, or you want to, you know, I push vertical and invite him to you. Cause a guy who's playing inside leverage, um, and you're running right vertical down the field, he's not going to stay inside the whole time. He's going to come to you. And then you kind of just made him think you're blowing gas down the field and you break it across his face, you know? So assuming it's man coverage and, you know, you're able to do that, that's kind of the two things I like to look at his leverage. And the best thing you can do is manipulate a DB's leverage. Unless they're playing head up, then it's it's best release. But, like, if he's playing outside leverage, inside leverage, you know what I mean? You just manipulate his leverage. So, like, the outside leverage version of it, you know, you push at him outside, make him think you're going outside because, obviously, they're playing where they don't want you to go. So, threaten that, you know, really threaten that, and then, you know, put your foot in the ground and, you know, separate. One thing that I always kind of pick up on when watching film and, and, and you know, not doing it at the level that you guys did it out, but I, I love the way that guys use, you know, their their eyes. You know, it's hard to see when, when you're wearing a helmet, but just the ability to kind of, like you said, manipulate with your head, your eyes, which way you're going. That's something that I noticed with you and Tyler a lot at Cincinnati is you guys do a really good job of that is kind of giving that faint, you know, turn to the left when you want them to kind of break to the left and then you're going to break it back in across their face. Is that something that you spend a lot of time on is just kind of using your eyes and your your headset to kind of fool guys, I guess is the easiest way to say it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you think about it. Well, the first thing receivers do, like if I'm a receiver and I'm looking at a DB before the play starts, you know, all DBs think that they're disciplining their eyes and they're looking at your hips, you know, all that. But majority of DBs look up at you. They look at your eyes. Right. Like I, I always say eyes tell lies. Yes. So, you know, if I can have my eyes, you know, my head going one way, they're thinking I'm going that way. Cause right. that's just, that's undisciplined DB. So, um, you know what I mean? So yeah, eyes tell lies. So, you know, really head fakes, all that. It just, all it takes is very sudden, subtle movements. Just because like I said, um, just DBs tend to look at, look at, you know, facers, right. you're looking at the ground, then they're knowing like, hey, he's probably coming out of his break. You know, if you're looking to the right, he's probably breaking right. But now when you're able to look to the right and break left, that's when you become really dangerous. So, yeah, that's something that, you know, we kind of add in. We call it sauce, you know what I mean? So just add that in, you know, just make sure you – it just takes that separation that you'd get blown by a guy just that much more, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, All right. I can tell watching you play, you're a really confident guy. It shows up, showed up senior bowl, it shows up all the time on tape too. Um, I gotta I gotta ask you to put the humble hat on real quick. What's somebody you 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 played against at Cincinnati DB that just you're like, damn, that guy, that guy was good. You know, he he might he had he had my number that day or something like that. Just something like what's a DB you went up against where after that game you were like, that, uh, that kid's good. <laughs> I mean, shoot, um, that's a big thing, you know. Uh, I, I'd say you know what? There was a guy from Indiana this year, smaller guy. His name was Noah Pierce. Just, you know, kind of, you know, but I'm not like the dude was good. I mean, he was physical, you know what I mean? And I, I'm a physical player. So right. 
like trying to put fire out fire. But I mean, dude was just, he was really physical, you know, he was really good, you know, and he, he, um, you know, you could just tell he's a football player, you know, and um, I, I even, you know, we, we were talking a little trash to each other during the game. I mean, I, I just remember telling after like, Hey man, you're really good, bro. Keep it up. You know I mean? You're going to go kill the big 10. Cause you know, they were undefeated at the time. Um, right. You know, I just remember people asking me and I'm like, well, no, Pierre. And there's another guy too, out at Tulane, uh, making Clark. I mean, dude is really good. And, you know, um, he actually was talking trash to me before the game. And like, I wasn't saying anything because I had respect for him. Like, look, hey, you know, I respect your game, bro. And after the game, we just talking. I was like, hey, bro, you're probably – he was more of a safety nickel guy. Right. Safety. And then the, the Noah Pierre guy from Indiana was a nickel. Um, both two really tremendous players. And uh, I'm excited to see their their journey. So you're saying, I got to are, are you – are you a trash talker? Do you give it back? Or are you more <laughs> just uh, – I'll let the game speak for itself. See, I go in between. You know, I think <laughs> – I always say you have to turn me up, you know what I mean? But I'm already turned up, but just in a way, like I'm, I'm in, I'm more of like, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm re- willing, I'm ready to make a play. All right. But then like what, what I don't like is that like, if you're talking trash before like everything starts, like if you talk trash before that it starts right. or like you haven't done anything, you know, then you're talking trash. It's like, bro, like you gotta be able to, you know, like back up what you're saying, you know what I mean? So, but uh, I respect man. If you're doing your thing out there, I respect it. Like, Hey, you know, you, you got it. You know what I mean? I, that's the one thing I always say, give people their props. What's the worst and the best trash talk you've ever had? The worst trash that talk? said to you or something you gave it? Like, what's just somebody said something to you? You're like, that made zero sense. Was not cool. Like that. You awful. Man, I honestly couldn't even tell you. There's so many. <laughs> I mean, I, it, the crazy thing is I'm a receiver. So maybe we're in a tight split. You can. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you can just hear the D line and the linebackers. Like, I mean, one thing I'll say, um, it wasn't towards me, but it was actually, I, I, I'll say. You don't so, have to put anybody on the spot either. I'll just put like this. A quarterback we had, not this year, but the year before, um, he was under center. And, you know, you know, they always say, you know, hey, uh, watch the mic or, you know, or, hey, like, my point for uh, Mike's the uh, 42 is the mic, 42 is the right. mic. Our quarterback, you know, said something, blah, 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 42, blah, 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 42, which he was saying to number 42. We fumble the ball on the one yard line. Under we fumble the snap. All we have to do is take a knee. Fumbles the ball. The guy gets it. And I mean, we almost lose the game. And I think that was so funny because we all laugh about it now. But we're all thinking like we're all laughing about it. And like, wait, we just fumbled the ball. And now that guy's like, I mean, he just erupted. The guy said so many words in a minute that I you just couldn't even think it was possible. And he had the football, which was like made it even worse. And he took our football to his sideline, and I'm sure he still has it. But um, the trash talk is wild, man. Like you could, <laughs> you could just be out there like running, and we bust a big play, or like they bust a big play, or like they make a big play, and like you just hear like so much going on, and you chime in a little bit, and then the guy way across the field comes over, hey, number one, you like you weren't even guarding me, you know? What I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, man. I couldn't specifically say one thing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I always like asking that question because you get some you get some really bad bad uh like not even like bad as in like you know dark humor or anything like that, but just people just like you said, like a play happens and they try to they try to think of something real quick and it just ends up making no sense whatsoever. Yeah, and then like um, but yeah, man, I just I, I know it was a while ago, but I'm curious, you know, senior bowl, you you obviously played a bunch of DBs there. Does anybody stand out from you from there that they had a good week at the senior bowl? Uh were DB wise? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, um, I thought, 
Sydney Brown from Illinois was really good. I think their D their DB corpse was crazy this year. I mean, they got a it's a DB draft for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um they got to protect the first round guy over there. Then they got another guy that I went against. Um, I thought he did really well. Um um I ran like a spade ride against him on the 20 yard line and he he did I thought he did really well. Um another guy from uh, Maryland I thought was well, but I thought Sydney Brown overall um, from Illinois was really good. And I only wanted to give him some once, but I got to watch him in his practice and uh it was funny because I I he um they threw me the ball and I didn't catch it. Um, but uh he comes over and he's like, Bro, you are fast. I'm like, bro, you are good. You know what I mean? So uh, it's just it was just cool to give each other props right there, man. But um it was fun to watch them this year, actually, because they had a pretty good year. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Um, all right, man, I, I got a couple more for you and then we'll get you out of here. Um I want to get you – so we talked a lot about what you bring to the table, you know, some of the things that, you know, you heard from teams you want to improve on, some things you're working on. What's a player that you kind of – I mean, I hate to say model your game after because I feel like so many guys nowadays are so big, so athletic that they can kind of pull bits and pieces from, you know, different guys who, who've played in the NFL. But if you had to kind of take a guy and go, hey, yeah, kind of mirror my game after him or I like to pull things from this guy and that guy, who, who would those guys be? Um, definitely Tyreek Hill is the first foremost guy. I mean, just, I literally got a whole cut up of Tyreek Hill in my, in my hot folders of college. You know what I mean? I, I watch everything he does, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I, and Jamar Chase, like I'm not tall as Jamar Chase, but like right. just he's, the thing I like about him is his physicality. Like the dude does not, he doesn't, he's like, his speed is very viable. Like he catches the ball, you're not going to catch him. But he like invites contact, you know, and you see a lot of people who try to avoid it, but he invites him. I, I like to take that from his game, you know what I mean? Kind of, it's kind of like a switch up for me. Right. You know? um, I'd say be able to play super physical and then be able to play super fast. You know, you kind of keep the DBs on their toes because I think if you're a one trick pony, it's very, you're very easy to guard. Same for a DB, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'd say Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, um, and someone who I really like who's, you know, kind of, you know, like, or I like Jarvis Landry as well. I mean, dude, dude's wild, but um, that that's kind of like people expect is Cooper Cup. I mean, the dude is just he's he's a technician. You know, yeah. what I mean, Rams offense is really cool, and um, the Rams really like me as well. Um, so that's one of the teams I I'll be meeting with as well. But um, yeah, just watch him in the offense and watch how he works. It's, it's sweet. All right, so now I'm gonna ask you to do my. You're gonna do my job for me. And in my scouting reports, I always try to come up with like a, you know, player comp. So like, you know, you take stuff for those guys, but if you had to like compare yourself to a player, so like similar height, similar athletic testing, similar route running, who do you think that would be? I feel hundred percent. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, cool, man. Yeah. This is, this was awesome. Like I said, I, I'm a big fan of, of, of your game a lot. Like I said, it's, it's a, you played a lot in the slot at Cincinnati, you know, like I said, like that's, that's, that's kind of, I think, you know, like you said, where teams might view yet, but I think you have that outside versatility, that inside versatility, special teams versatility, like the value you bring to a team in a draft, I think is, is really, you know, high level. And um, that's what the draft's about is, is finding value and your ability to play inside, play outside, play special teams. It's, it's something that you you can't find with everybody because you might find some some receivers that can be the X, but they can't play special teams. And if you move them in the inside, they can't they can't do that stuff. So it's a uh, like I said, that value is is top notch for you. And I'm excited to see where you end up. Appreciate that. Thank you for having me on here for real. Appreciate yeah, man, it. this was great. Like I said, we're uh, we're excited to see what you guys do next week at the at the pro day. I know you'll you'll be looking to to run even faster, which is just insane to me. Like I said, it's crazy. We're 2023, we hear 4-4, four, four, and you're like, man, that's way too slow. I got to run fast. <laughs>
Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm ready to run pretty, pretty, pretty fast. So. And you, you don't want to give us any sort of hint of what that's going to be. No, I don't like to give that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't even tell people, like, that's the reason why. Because you go out there and, you know, I tell you something and, like, somehow I run a 4-4 and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I like to keep it a secret, man. But I'm feeling really good. Not saying I wasn't at the combine, but I'm feeling right. really good. Combine's a hectic situation, man. It's it's yeah, it's a grind, you know. But um, I'm feeling good. It's the pro disease. You show up, you weigh in, you go run. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm excited about that. I'll be on my, I'll be in my city with my guys. You know, nuts and guys. I met a lot of great guys at the combine. That right. was pretty cool meeting with. But um, you know, these are your guys you play for years with. You know what I mean? Cheer them on, and them cheering you on. Uh, special. So I'm excited to get back. Less stressful, I think, is the easiest way to say it. Trey, this is awesome, man. Thanks so much. We'll, uh, like I said, we'll check in on you next week. See how you do at the pro day, and uh, we'll be following you around closely uh, this next month or so. Like I said, drafts in every month away, so we're excited to see you end up, and uh, excited to see this uh, game on the Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you so much.